Today is Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. China and Russia make a disturbing agreement. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe, leave a rating, share it with a friend. You can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Joining me now to get through the news of the cray, CBN's Trey Goins Phillips. What's up, Trey? Happy hump day. I know we're already to Wednesday. The week is just flying, flying by, by like it always does, but yeah. it's a good day. It's officially spring now, too. So for the oh, people yeah. who are tired of winter, spring That's is right. coming. That's right. Still warming up. Things are looking yeah. good. Except for Kirk Cameron. He's he's experiencing some difficulty trying to uh, have these story <laughs> hours in uh, libraries. What's the latest here you got coming up? Well, the the very loving and accepting and tolerant um, <laughs> left is continuing to be not loving, accepting, and tolerant. So uh, there were drag queens that stormed into oh, his boy. latest story <laughs> hour. So we'll talk about what happened and his reaction to it. Yeah, looking forward to that. Also on the main thing, Angel Studios, they're the ones you may recall, of course, The Chosen. Well, they're expanding and venturing into new areas of production and this is exciting and trey talked with one of their executives jared geesey about that uh for our main thing today so all that's coming up but first we're gonna get through the news here in 90 seconds and president xi jinping and russian president vladimir putin they signed an agreement to expand their economic ties yesterday these recent meetings according to them is meant to build what they're calling a new friendship without limits. Xi and Putin emphasized the importance of jointly safeguarding their country's energy security. And Putin talked about plans for a gas pipeline from Siberia to China, head of the meeting saying that that was all but done. New clashes between gangs in Haiti's capital and beyond have killed at least 187 people in just two weeks and injured hundreds of others. This latest violence happened between February 27th and March 9th near Port-au-Prince. And according to the UN, they say the situation is all the more alarming for children who are often subjected to all forms of armed violence, including forced recruitment and sexual violence. Definitely praying for the people of Haiti right now. Dr. Anthony Fauci and D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser got roundly rejected when they went door-to-door pitching for the vaccine during the height of the pandemic in a new video that's been going viral online. It's part of an upcoming episode of PBS's American Masters series. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. I don't know if you saw this clip, Trey, but it's very interesting because I would be willing to wager that Fauci and Bowser and people of that ilk probably look at this as sort of not a negative video. They think that this is the vaccine hesitancy that we were up against. Whereas the other side is looking at it completely differently, like Fauci getting absolutely owned or however the kids might say it these days. It really does show what a lot of people think. This guy willing to speak his mind right to Fauci, telling him exactly why he wasn't getting the vaccine. It's a fascinating clip. Yeah, no, it is interesting, but I think you're right that 
people are just interpreting it completely through their prism. And it's a result of how siloed we are, right? That yeah. one side will see it as kind of confirmation of just how crazy people are, right? So the I think the Fauci's of the world look and see, we have so much work to do. It's good to expose the crazy people um, so that we can, you know, show them that they exist, but that they're, they're not winning. So I think that's kind of that side. And then the other side is, like you said, is not even necessarily skepticism for the sake of skepticism, but just this was rolled out so quickly. Why can't we ask these questions? And I think people will feel affirmed to see somebody who, because obviously most of us are never going to get the chance to talk to Anthony Fauci. Um, So that he got the chance to talk to Fauci and kind of voiced those concerns. There was no question that he asked that wasn't a reasonable question or any comment he made that wasn't a reasonable comment to make. Uh, He wasn't even saying that he's opposed to vaccines overall. He was just saying that this is rolled out so quickly. Quickly, Yeah. um, And no one is allowed to ask questions. Why aren't we allowed to ask questions? And I think that's, that's a valid thing to, to wonder. Yeah. And he was talking about how it's a, it felt like a fear campaign and that's what he was saying. Y'all are creating a fear campaign here. And, and Mayor Bowser at one point said, "Like, well, you don't, this is about protecting other people, which, of course, we now know that the vaccine, while it may have limited um, the impact to you personally, that it didn't really stop the spread, as right. was claimed. Like, you could still pass on the vaccine or the, uh, the virus, whether you had the vaccine or not. And so that whole line of um, sort of trying to scare people into making them feel like they're going to be bad neighbors... And they're going to be the ones spreading around COVID because you didn't get the vaccine was untrue. And so that's why a lot of people on one side see this man as being vindicated and uh, kind of grilling uh, Fauci. But then I'll just one other thing, Trey, um, if you want to add anything to it, you can. But I find it interesting because they purposely went into minority neighborhoods to ask these questions. Now, On the one hand, a lot of the same people pushing for the vaccine also continue the narrative that America is systemically broken, systemically racist. I don't know how you can then turn around to a minority neighborhood and tell them, well, but no, 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 this, okay, this, this vaccine from the government, you can trust this. The rest of the system is racist and out to get you, but not this. Doesn't add up. Well, that's been the, I think, a sticking point with these talking points now for so long is the left is saying that the Republicans have done so much damage to destroy the trust of our institutions. Uh, and then it, with the same breath saying all of our institutions are because we're a patriarchy and we're systemically opposed to minorities, that all of our institutions are also deeply problematic. So it's which one do you, do you want us to trust yeah. them or do you want <laughs> us to not trust them? Uh, and then also, as you said, it's like, uh, don't trust anything up until 2020. But from 2020 on, we're all very benevolent right. and fantastic <laughs> <Yes>. people. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's conflicting messaging. And so you can understand the hesitancy right. from some people, especially really mainly, as the man said, talking about the, the rapid nature in which this came about. Fascinating clip. You haven't seen it. You can check it out. We'll We'll try to put it here in the uh, description of the podcast. If not, you can you can look around, just Google it, Fauci interacting, and you'll probably you probably land on it uh, pretty quickly. So, all right, let's uh, let's head into our next story here. And Kirk Cameron, he's dealing with more backlash over these library story hours. What what happened this time? 
Yeah, he can't seem to catch a break with these uh, with these story hours. So a group of drag queens and activists uh, stormed into the Fayetteville Public Library in Arkansas this past Friday afternoon while Kirk Cameron was leading a faith-based story hour. He has a new book from Brave Books. It's called As You Grow. Uh, obviously, it's discussing God's design for human sexuality, his design for marriage, all of these things that would certainly be... Uh, controversial with the pro-LGBT drag queen crowd. Um, So they've been kind of traveling around wherever he is. They kind of seem to crop up. And this is the latest example is a bunch of protesters, some dressed in all black and white, and then some drag queens dressed in their outfits, uh, stormed into this library in Arkansas. While he was in the middle of reading his book, they were disruptive, making noises, holding up protest signs. Some of them were doing their best to stand in front of kids and families uh, so that they couldn't really see or hear what Kirk Cameron uh, was reading. Uh, so that's that's kind of the scene that unfolded this past Friday uh, in this otherwise peaceful library. I mean, this was a peaceful, quiet hour where Kirk Cameron was just reading his book. It was hundreds of people gathered there, uh, you know, seemingly a peaceful event. And then the drag queens and activists, protesters come in uh, and it all kind of descended from there. Yeah. What is, uh, how did Kirk respond to this? Yeah. So Kirk did his best to finish out his story hour because he didn't want to disrupt what was going on. And he also said to, in an interview with Fox News, actually, uh, that so many kids would probably find it disturbing what was unfolding. So he kind of wanted to distract or kind of ignore to the best of his ability. Uh, But then he said the small group of protesters, which included some grown men wearing makeup, dressed in skirts and heels, pretending to be women, listened to the reading of a kid's book about God's view of gender called Elephants Are Not Birds. Uh, That's what Cameron was was telling Fox News. He was referring to a book authored by Laura Perry Smaltz, who was also at the event. Uh, She's formerly transgender but has detransitioned and has written a book about it so the two of them were there each you know co-leading this event reading their books and that's when the protests first started and then of course once Cameron started reading they started angling their frustration at Cameron as well yeah and um, it seems like we're seeing more of this happen around the country these sorts of conflicts is, is this particular um, conflict here with Cameron and at the libraries is this a one-off thing or are we seeing this you know, as it seems more often than not. No, it seems to be something that's ramping up. And Kirk has only done a handful of these so far since his book came out. Brave Books has been hosting them at libraries across the country. Uh, Right before this one in Arkansas, he had one uh, in northern Tennessee at a public library there. Missy Robertson from Duck Dynasty. uh, She was also at this event. uh, And they uh, apparently this is none of this has been completely confirmed. But so the library director at that library in Hendersonville, Tennessee, he's since lost his job, Uh, but he initially apparently agreed to host this story hour with Kirk Cameron. Kirk came in, uh, and then behind the scenes, this library director uh, seemed to have done everything he could to kind of thwart the event by bringing in other people to protest it, by being disruptive during the event, encouraging people who didn't like it uh, to show up and kind of be a disruption uh, to the event. And Missy Robertson said uh, he obviously, I think, you know, he's, she's referring to the, the former library director. She said he started a campaign in the community to shut down the event uh, without officially canceling it uh, because he then knew that it wouldn't be good for their library. 
library. Uh, and Morales, Alan Morales, the now ex-library director, he said, I'm hoping now that I have been fired, uh, that the community can move on. There's not much of a point in giving my side. At the end of the day, I don't hate anybody, but he didn't deny doing things behind the scenes to kind of thwart mm, the camera yeah. event. Yeah, it's really a weird phenomenon. I mean, people just seem to have lost the ability to, I mean, we talk about diversity and inclusion, tolerance. People have seemed, it's ironic that people have seemed to have completely lost the ability to have any of those things when it comes particularly to conservatives and Christians. You know, now it's bravery now. You know, we one generation, the greatest generation, stormed the beaches of Normandy and here it's like we're storming the libraries at Bedford Falls in Middletown, America. It's just it's ridiculous that this is like the heroic movement of the day that you're going to go thwart Kirk Cameron reading a book. I mean, it's it's nonsensical. But yeah. nevertheless, this is where we are. Again, I always say that I think this is a essentially a product of America being so fruitful, successful, uh, generally peaceful. When you have that, now you've got people looking for purpose. When there are unbelievers in particular, they're looking for purpose. They're looking for a movement or a cause to be attached to. And so you end up seeing it develop in these kind of silly ways a lot of times. Yeah. Well, we talked about this, actually, Billy and I on the podcast yesterday, that I think so much of this is the product, too, of spiritual blindness, right? Yeah. I think um, people are looking for identity. They're looking for belonging, like you were talking about, uh, and they're not finding it in their creator. They're not finding it in the Lord. And instead, I think they're finding it in these different communities, whether it be a drag queen community or an LGBT community, because I think probably a lot of these secular people, while I, of course, completely disagree with their approach, because I think it's antithetical to scripture. I think probably a lot of them are well-intentioned, right? They're not trying to be, uh, I'm not talking about these protesters, but right. you know, certain people who hold these perspectives are not trying to be, they're not nefarious in their motives. I think they're just so blinded to God's design for human sexuality because they've been so brainwashed by a cultural lie from the enemy, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's what we're seeing as the result of these two cultures clashing is people who have no real awareness of where their identity belongs. And then Christians like Kirk Cameron who are coming in and really trying to clean up the mess because they're trying to communicate, this is actually how God designed it. And I think we're seeing those two ideas come to yeah. a head, but unfortunately it's a necessary it's necessary, right? We have to have these conversations. Yeah, and I think one way we can leave this is sort of for what do we do with this? You know, we're Christians. We have this news. We have this conflict going on. What do we do with it? I think we definitely need to be praying because it's going to bump into you. It, it doesn't matter what circles you're in. The, ge the gender ideology is going to come across your path at some point or your kid's path. And so it's not to just duck and cover and hope it goes away. But we have to pray that we can have discernment and that the spirit will use us and give us the words when we have those interactions, because our goal should not be to win an argument or get a viral moment and you show them. That shouldn't be our goal. Our, our goal should be to relay the truth of scripture, um, God's word, and do it in love, and then pray that God lets that word take root and have real change in somebody's life who, like you said, is completely spiritually blind. So we'll just leave that as a prayer point uh, on that. Appreciate you bringing that story, Trey. We're going to go into the main thing now. And Angel Studios, they've been disrupting the entertainment world 
as I mentioned earlier, since the launch of The Chosen. And this faith-based production company, they're continuing to expand now with a new entire division, a theatrical division. And Trey spoke with Angel executive Jared Giese to talk about that expansion. That's today's main thing. Jared Giese, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? Doing great. Glad to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you here and specifically to talk about Angel Studios. Uh, Obviously, y'all have been um, nothing but disruptive, I think, to the entertainment world. People will know you, of course, from uh, The Chosen, but there's so many other projects, uh, films, uh, and shows that y'all are working on. The Wingfeather Saga is another one that people might know you uh, from. His Only Son is a forthcoming movie people will will start to see shortly. So anyway, there's a lot going on, uh, but you're adding a theatrical division now. Tell us a little bit about that decision. What prompted that decision? Well, we, we're we a big believer in the wisdom of the crowd. Um, that's our crazy idea is in trying to decide what we should make and what to bring through Angel Studios is we just ask our audience. Um, and so the reason we looked at that is we saw some of the success that we were having um, with the chosen in theaters. And so we thought we need to keep doing more of this uh, because theatrical is the communal viewing uh, opportunity. And so we, our whole mission is to build communities between the creator and the community that's the fans that are coming around these shows. And so when we go to the theaters, it's really just a chance for those communities who help create and fund these shows to celebrate this project that they literally have ownership in. Yeah, which is a it's a unique um, a unique approach and one that's kind of been as I said disruptive really in in Hollywood. But before we talk about that, you're the senior vice president of global distribution at Angel. Tell us a little bit about your background, your story, how you ended up being a part of this. Yeah, I've been in the the, the independent and faith based film world for about twenty years, and um, so I started at a, a, a company called ChristianCinema.com. And uh, which recently just sold to Cinedime, I saw, which I'm grateful to see that the platform I built is still out there doing what we intended in the world. Um, but just serving um, really an audience that is looking for content that reflects their faith and values has really been um, my mission uh, for the last two decades. And so I got involved at Angel Studios initially just by trying to help a friend. I reached out to Dallas Jenkins and I had some friends in in um, in France that wanted to bring the chosen there. Um, and so reached out to Angel Studios a few years ago and they said, well, how about instead of just one deal in France, you help us with all of our international distribution. And so that's how I, I dove in and just started connecting. And so we, we licensed the chosen to, I think over a hundred different distribution and streaming platforms in 27 countries. And, and uh, it's been a, an amazing ri- wild ride. We're just so grateful to see that program expand and, and it help its mission to reach a billion people. You know, something that I think is so interesting uh, in in this industry, and particularly with Angel, is that so many Christians over the years, uh, and for good reason, have been kind of wary of Hollywood. They've been uncertain uh, and really unwilling to trust the entertainment industry, and then enters Angel and The Chosen, and 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 so much of this is, is a high production value that kind of meets the standard uh, of Hollywood, uh, and it's we're finding it in places that are 
traditional, right? We're seeing it in movie theaters. We're seeing it on streaming platforms. What do you think has been kind of the secret sauce to winning people over, to winning an audience that was skeptical over? I th- I th- obviously, you have to tell a good story. Um, you know, our mission at Angel is to, to to help people be part of stories that amplify light. And And I think when you tell a good story and people find out who you are and why you're making it, then they get behind it. Um, and that's that's been very key for us as we build these communities. It's not only the story that's happening in front of the camera, but it's telling the story of what's going on behind the camera. You know, so we we connect the directors and the, the creators of these projects with the community uh, to tell the story about not just the film itself or the show itself, but um, why do they want to make these films? And I think that matters to people. I really do. That's what that's a key part of building that trust. Yeah, I I, I agree completely, and I I think it's it's cool how y'all have taken the show, the chosen that was of course is streaming, uh, and then done a theatrical release of those episodes. Done that now a couple times. What was the decision making process? Why why did you choose to go ahead and and do that? And were you expecting the kind of success that you've seen from it? Well, we're certainly certainly grateful for the the success that's come out of it. I don't know that we. You know, we've we've been discovering and you know new and innovating new things with the chosen from day one. You know, whether it's crowdfunding or the innovative pay it forward model, um, it started off with the Christmas special. We did first year was a live Christmas special just on YouTube, um, and it just was so well received that the next year we thought let's do the Christmas special in theaters. Um, and so that was the first response. We thought, wow, fans love this in theaters. Let's premiere it. An episode, and so we did that with season three, with two episodes of season three, and it was just really to support our our core fans. You know, we we were not sure what the response would be because we were going up against some major releases, and uh, and we were at season three of a TV show, this indie TV show, <laughs> and you know, if you are, do you have to be caught up all the way to through season two to for it to be relevant to you? So it was really just a big experiment initially to see. What and 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 really just to serve um, the fans that love the show, um, but we were definitely overwhelmed with the response, and uh, it's really um, just opened our eyes to the importance of our communities gathering and and together in a theater to watch these films. My last question for you is, and you mentioned this Jesus Revolution doing so well, The Chosen being such a success, uh, this excitement over his only son coming out. It, there seems to be something culturally happening with people more interested and eager to see this kind of content in theaters and on their streaming platforms. Why do you think that shift is happening? And and I, I'm sure you're encouraged by it, but but what do you think it means for the future of Angel? Well, we, our whole mission is we want to impact culture for the next 100 years. And so we, we're we not just trying to dictate that. We're asking fans to be a part of helping us do that. Um, and so I'm very hopeful that people are are taking it seriously now to, that they need to be involved, that, 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 you know, we've been talking about this in Christian film for, for decades, you know, are you going to come in opening weekend and supporting these projects if you want to see more like them? Um, and, and fans are doing that. And maybe there, I think there's an awareness now that, that if we want to see content, um, like this, we have to support it and get involved and, and, and really angels just taking that to the whole next level where it's not just about supporting it, but letting people choose what content's coming and also letting them invest and own a piece of that. And so 
we're big believers that ownership changes uh, the equation. You know, when you when you own something, you you care for it and you want to take care of that and 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 spread the word about it uh, because it's something that you're proud of. Uh, and so this that's what we're seeing with fans. And and I hope that uh, we'll see a, just a continued growth of that. We're we're looking at accelerating the number of projects that we're releasing. Um, and so it's we're just getting started. Yeah. Well, Jared Giese, you're the Senior Vice President of Global Distribution at Angel Studios. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk with us. I appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, Trey, I appreciate that conversation there. And that leaves us with time for one last thing. Yeah, we're going to look at John 8, 12. It says, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I think what a perfect reminder when we're talking about a spiritual blindness that I think cripples so much of our world. Yeah, totally, 100%. And we were talking about that walking in darkness earlier. And I think it helps us remind us that and when we see people walking in darkness and they're pushing these false ideologies, it's just, it's, they're, they're not the enemy. They're walking in darkness. They're blind. Our job is to minister to them and hopefully, you know, see God open their eyes. But our job is to minister to them, not to, um, you know, yell at them and fight them and all this other stuff. You just, you know, speak the truth as we were saying, do it in love. But remember that they're not the enemy. Uh, Satan's the enemy. And so these are just his prisoners that are blinded. We're trying to wake them up. So good place to leave it there in the pot on this Wednesday. As always, get on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget, you can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Lord willing and that creek don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow with more on Friday, Junior. God bless. See you then.